Fascinating debate going on right now in the legal community over a so-called retrograde extrapolation. Basically, uh, they estimate uh, alcohol content levels in people's blood, and a lot of successful DWI prosecutions have been made based on that. And we're joined by our uh, legal analyst, Paul Harding, from Martin Harding, Mazzotti. Hey, Paul. Good morning, Chuck. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning. So basically, just real quickly, this basically if uh, people uh, are arrested maybe sometime after uh, the incident, or maybe if they refuse a breathalyzer, the prosecution uses a calculation to determine how drunk they think you are at the time of the incident? Exactly so. And New York State is in the majority of states that use this, but some states don't. So what happens is you are either, let's say you get involved in a, in a, um, a drunk driving accident, you leave the scene of the accident, they find you four hours later, they give you a breathalyzer and ultimately a chemical test, and they then sort of do a backwards computation of what your blood alcohol contact content would have been at the time of the accident. And it's been going on. Of course, defense attorneys are pretty critical of this, saying there's lots of factors that would affect it, uh, but there has been lots and lots of successful prosecutions based on this principle. What do you think? Do you think it's an effective uh, measure? And, you know, otherwise, otherwise, how would you prosecute people if they just, you know, <laughs> if you couldn't use it? Yeah, the state of South Carolina says, hey, when we find you, we give you the breathalyzer, and that's what we use. So if you run from the police and you run long enough, I guess you're going to get out of your, your blood alcohol or your alcohol-related uh, incident. So, sure, it does work. It's a jury question. What happens, it's always the battle of the experts. You know, you have it in virtually every case where there's a dispute. They come in, the plan, uh, the, the, the defendant can get an expert that said they can attack this test. Can you attack it lots of ways? Because... The rate of alcohol absorption and elimination changes in everyone's body. It depends if you're a man or woman, body weight, but also the amount of food you had, your body temperature, the type of alcohol you consume. So they really can't exactly say where you were. Now, if your blood alcohol content is so high, if you're just off the charts and they caught you an hour later, probably not a strong argument. But if you're close to that level uh, at a trial, um, you can attack this, this, this principle and lots of cases have been won. Uh, the case that they're using right now as an example, there's a there's a case where uh, a guy was in a, an accident in Long Island, and yeah. he was whisked away from the scene immediately by his friend, and they finally got the reading four hours later, and at that point he blew a .06, which is below the, mm. the DWI level. And yeah. so they, what's called, it's called retrograde extrapolation. So the calculation to, you know, make it back to the time of the accident would put him at .12, and they're saying, hey, wait, wait, you you can't say that because you don't know, you know, like you said, how much he had to eat or what he ate or all of those other factors that may not have actually peaked at that time of the accident. It's an interesting case, and of course, it's the most outrageous sort of facts going on. Driving allegedly drunk and you know, wiped out a family, leaving church. So, I mean, you have all the factors where a jury's going to look at this, and they're going to want to fry this guy, but they're also going to have to look at the science behind this. So if they look at this and they don't believe that uh, you can actually backwards you know, computate the blood alcohol content, or they can't do it exactly, and he falls below that legal limit, then maybe it's a reckless driving, because he was going 100 miles an hour in this particular case, but the blood alcohol, or the alcohol-related accident would be thrown out. So we're going to watch this one and see what happens, but what they found consistently is juries listen to the scientists, listen to the toxicologists, and believe it wholeheartedly. And defense bar is saying, hey, you know, these people are, are just accepting the science and they shouldn't. One other quick question. We've got to let you go. I hear this question all the time, and I'm not trying to protect drunk drivers, but the, the question is for an attorney, would you advise people not 
to take a breathalyzer under any circumstances if they'd been drinking or, or what? <laughs> I've had some late-night phone calls with this very question. So it really is case-specific, right? Because once you don't take the breathalyzer, you now have a refusal charge, and you're going to lose your license for a short time. So, you know, if obviously if you think you're on the fence and you think you're, you're, that you're not going to rise to the level of, of .08 or... Uh, then, then absolutely take the test. Uh, you have a duty to take the test. You're supposed to take the test under the law, so now you're being charged with not following that duty. But if you uh, have a very high BAC, it's a tricky question, but ultimately I think you have a little more to work with if you don't have the blood alcohol content uh, deciphered at the time of, of, of the accident or incident uh, from a defense perspective. Thanks, Paul. Interesting stuff. We appreciate it. Okay, guys, thank you. And we'll talk to you. Paul Harding, Martin Harding-Mazzotti, 1-800-LAW-1010.